hello. Hello. And welcome to the Bali Effect Season 3! (laughs) Yes, we are kicking it off. Um, I have to breathe for a second because as anybody who has listened to this podcast before knows, I'm usually not the one who starts this conversation and starts the episodes. It is someone who I carry in my heart my dear sister, Preeti Tana, and she is off to incredible and beautiful and blessed opportunities that have presented to her, and she is no longer with the Bali effect. And so I'm really uh, working through some some joy and mourning, in all honesty, um, in this moment, but we're also back in the studio for the first time in years with an S have not done this live in so long. And I'm just full of gratitude. And I cannot thank Preeti enough for all of the enormous work. We would not be here. The Bali effect would not exist without her. And this was a project that was conceived in love. It's a project that continues in love. Uh, I have told her this privately, but Preeti, I'm going to say it publicly you know that the microphone is here for you anytime that you want to return. And I encourage and beg everybody to please follow her because she has really dope shit that is in the pipeline. Excuse me. Oh, nice. Sorry, mom. <laughs> Already. I said I wasn't going to cut so much. But it really is incredible. Um, her, her handle is, uh, Pitana um, on the gram. So you can follow her, uh, learn about her, but really, Bless her as she she continues, and please, please uh, continue to tune in with this project because, you know, the exploration of life's pivotal moments is what mm-hmm. we do here, and it's still important because life is still happening, and <laughs> there's still conversations that um, I certainly want to have, and one of the beautiful things um, about love, really, that I've been thinking about is that one of the core values of it is freedom and liberty. Mm. You know, there's spiritual traditions that talk about, like, where the spirit of love is, there is freedom. And so when you love something, you let it grow, not mm. go, but grow. And so thank you, Preeti. I love you. I always have, always will. And in the same spirit of love, I am delighted to say that we have some beautiful room in this energy. Some room in this energy. Actually, that sounds kind of poetic. I know. I'm I'm flowing with it. Listen, the cobwebs are here, people. Just work with me. I'm dusting them off. But there's also beautiful energy in this room (laughs) of these wonderful sisters that I have in my presence. And one of them is the newest co-host of the Bali Effect, Miss mm-hmm. Hannah Robinson. I, if her name sounds familiar, it is because she appeared in season two of the Bali Effect, but also because she has an incredibly impressive uh, background herself. Hannah is a natural food chef a nutrition consultant, and a yoga instructor. She uh, is a native of Connecticut, like myself, and her love affair with food originated in her vegetable garden as a child and from her parents who hunted wild game. And she was doing the farm-to-table thing <laughs> before it became a thing. Um, Hannah is also a graduate of the Chef's Training Program at the Natural Gourmet Institute for Health and Culinary Arts. She has worked at the highly 
acclaimed Gramercy Tavern restaurant in New York <laughs> under head chef Michael Anthony Whoa. and as a private chef for families and celebrities. Now, out of respect from them, we're not going to drop their names, but Hannah is the truth. And I can tell you personally, <laughs> she can cook her ass off. Sorry, Ma. Again, <laughs> listen, but it's amazing. She is so, so gifted. She's also the founder of HFR Living, and that produces this wonderful website that offers wonderful recipes about nutrition and meals and also includes these fantastic spotlights on women called Salt Stories every single month. Please check it out. I could sing your praises for days, but I will say on a personal note that Hannah and I go way back. back. Um, We've known each other since we were six years old. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why she is here today. And it didn't occur to me until earlier this morning, but uh, we, we were, my first yoga class was when we were in the seventh grade with that hippie teacher. I won't say her name, but mem, right? <laughs> what and was it called? Movement. The, the theater of life. The theater oh, of I life. The theater of life. And talk about, life. like, everything the is so theater. divine yes, because yes. we're here with a, an instructor who does amazing work, um, connecting students to their emotions and to their higher consciousness. And wow. that's how, I mean, we were, knew each other as kids, but yeah. as we got a little bit older in middle school, did this extracurricular together. And there's only like five of us, mm-hmm. you know, in a class of, you know, like 80 or something that, opted to take this particular because we were both seekers really from a very young age Mm -hmm. and i can honestly say hannah has always been one of the kindest warmest most humble down to earth but also connected to the earth people that i know you're so kind and you still are thank you and wow. so I just thank you for answering the call to join me on it the next an, iteration of this journey. An honor and a pleasure to be here. Well, thank Truly. Filling big shoes. A girl, girl, wow. you have your own shoes. That's what this is about. The wow. heart expands in so many different directions. Yes. So how are you feeling? I'm feeling so good. I'm feeling so wow. excited. I feel like this is full circle because... Again, we're childhood friends, but here now in the big bad city, I feel like Hmm. in college I majored in anthropology because I just am fascinated by people and why they do what they do. To me, it was sort of history without dates. Not a big numbers gal. Um, And now to be in dialogue with you with fascinating people and hearing their story and and their life's pivotal moments, it's this just major full circle moment beginning of a new year i know right yeah right i'm feeling really good thank Mm. you fantastic fantastic well is there anything that you want uh, any of our listeners to to know about you as we partake on this journey i still feel like i'm trying to find sea legs but uh anything at all i mean i'm I'm just here to to talk and learn and listen and ask questions um, and be your partner in crime. <laughs> yes, in crime. How are you doing today, and TV? Healing. I'm a hot mess. Okay. Like, I honestly, like, I could... Spice <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Life, I, I don't even want to philosophize. Uh, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But this moment right here, right mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. feels incredible. Yeah. There yeah. is so much that is going not the mm-hmm. way I want it to go. 
but I'm so grateful that this is going the way that I like already, like I, you know, been planning for this and hoping for this. It already has exceeded my hopes. And, and I just have to, I'm, I'm trying to learn to hold more than one truth at the same time. Yeah. You know, so it's the yin and the yang. Yes. But right now the, the beauty is so overshadowing any of the fuckery. Okay. Can I say that? <laughs> that that it, it feels awesome. It feels mm-hmm. incredible. So, okay. um, to stand in the light of, of the two of you is just great. Damn. And, you know, doing this over, you know, over the computer has been adequate and powerful, but doing this in person. Yes. It's, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. So thank you. So Absolutely. as, as I've mentioned, we are in the presence of another being of greatness. I want to welcome to the Bali effect. Been trying to get her on for three years, <laughs> but we, but all timing is, is perfect. And so yeah. I want to welcome my sister. Andrea Patterson. Hey, I call her Drea, so y'all hear me refer to her that way, but I will, I want to put respect on your name. So <laughs> really, girl, you have earned it. Andrea Patterson is a Drama Desk Award nominee who has performed on some of the most elite stages in New York City, regionally, and internationally, y'all. Her film credits include some of television's most popular shows on NBC, CBS, and Netflix. A Detroit native, and we will get to that, Andrea attended the world-renowned Cass Technicals High School, where she learned the importance of theater in education. At 17 years old, Andrea was accepted into one of the top acting programs in the United States, (laughs) Purchase College, where she studied in the Conservatory of Theater of Arts and Film. And after graduation, she began to work on various projects where she reunited with another Detroit native, Dominique Morceau. We will definitely get to that in addition. And she also has been cast in Morisos. I'm sorry for mispronouncing it. uh, Some of her most celebrated works, including most recently Confederates at the Signature Theater. Um, But Dominique also encouraged Andrea to become a New York City school teaching artist. So Andrea went on to join a group of veteran artists in theater education at Creative Arts Team. And she has founded the Art of Living Collective. Isn't that a beautiful name? Which, among other things, offers interactive theater programs for students using the power of drama to educate, teach life skills, spark important conversations around DEI, and to enrich social and emotional learning in children. Mm -hmm. And in addition to being an applied theater artist, as if that was not enough, okay, (laughs) she is the mother of three of the brightest souls that I know her glorious children. Oh, and we're just honored. Thank you. To yeah, have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the Bali Effect, sister. Thank you. Thank you. I have to know about the title. What does the Bali mm-hmm. Effect mean? Because I'm, 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 I'm in the midst of something and I want to know. Okay. Yeah. 
I can give you the the literal meaning, sure. like where it came from. Sure. So the co-founder of the podcast and I went on, we met in Bali. Okay. And we both were in a point in life where a lot of things were seemingly falling apart. Sure. And landed in this place, in the same, under the same roof, and on this trip. And Bali is a place that is... It is glorious on so many levels. One being the, there is just a culture that is devoted and intentionally devoted to healing wow. and to connection to spirituality wow. and to helping people connect with their spirituality. That's why so many, you know, yoga practitioners find themselves there and, mm-hmm. and just people who are on these journeys mm-hmm. looking to, to go out, but also go in. And so that trip really shifted um, a lot of our thinking and inspired us, the people that we met there and, and the, the space that it created for us to get in touch with ourselves and what we wanted to do, that it motivated us to come back and make dramatic changes in our own lives, mm. uh, professionally, personally. So that's the literal meaning. But mm. now, you know, when we created the podcast, uh, the Bali Effect has just we have used it as the the launch pad for moments in life that cause you to to shift your thinking yeah okay. or to shift your perspective or to just go on a different course because those things really punctuate yeah. Every single day, every single week, every single year, um some are more profound than others um and and that's what we do. We we explore those those experiences and those moments, and that's it. Well, now I understand what um, this feeling is and what the energy is here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I am really delighted to be here. I love wearing chokers, but this one got a little tight today, oh. so <laughs> I'm gonna take it on off. Make um, yourself comfortable, you know, because I feel like <clears throat> I don't want to like. I want your so soul hilarious. to breathe. I want oh my god, breathe. it's so funny, girl. It is beautiful. It, you know, oh, you I wore it um, to this um, beautiful event that I was invited to <laughs> in uh, in May, uh, Black Women on Broadway, and I was I was so honored to be there because um, there there were so many beautiful um, women on Broadway that that were not there, but. Um, the purpose and meaning behind um, starting it just felt um, I felt so honored to to be in the midst of of those women um, where Kara Young who is a fantastic artist was honored and as well as Lynn Nottage mm-hmm. um, and so I just and and um, Queen Jean and I, I felt that being in the room with all of those women um, including a trans woman just it it, it 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 was one of those moments, like you said, that punctuated a moment in time for me. And <clears throat> even though I had come out of two really big punctuation marks um, with Colored Water that I did at the public and Confederates that I did at the Signature, Kara Young was was accepting this award, <clears throat> and she was. Thanking her mother um, for 
being committed to raising a free black child. <clears throat> and I literally just started bawling. Mm. And, and I mean, like, I can't, can't even tell you how much, how much money I spent on my makeup artist. <laughs> 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 I just sat there and drank it all up because the tears just falling in my mouth. I was just, you know, it was just like, wow. And I definitely, you know, felt the tenderness of the moment because, you know, my, my girls challenged me and I'm pretty sure I had cussed somebody out that morning. You know, I said something ridiculous and I was like, damn, you know, how am I ensuring that my children are free? But 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 that is a a concept that I have grown to understand is um something that requires you to be free mm. yourself. Wow, you can't facilitate freedom if you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Ellipses, girl, and transcripts. We could just <laughs> we could just stop the recording now because mm-hmm. what you just said. One could really meditate on deeply. Oh wow! Yeah, I would love to to dig into that. Sure, which you which you've just shared. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, let me just back it up for by way of of reference because when when you just live in excellence, you can just drop this. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, I did the show with the public, and I did this other one. Know how the funny is like shocker <laughs> see her. But no, truly, in the span of one year's time, yeah. you have performed at. So for the folks out there, she performed in these two powerhouse productions that were two extraordinary critical acclaim, both your sure. performances as well as the, the oh, other yeah. the actors cast, and the playwrights. Uh-huh. And one yeah. was uh, Colored Water, which was about the Flint, Michigan water crisis. Mm-hmm. And it centered on this one family of black women, three generations, and how yeah. the horrors of that horrific situation was still ongoing, number one, mm-hmm. and how it was, it just depicted it with a level of humanity that I just, it ripped my heart out. Yeah. I did not even know that it was so bad. Yeah. That situation. Can you just speak to me, to mm-hmm. us, all of us really, yeah. about why did you choose that? Role, why did you, why was it important to you to do it? Mm -hmm. And what did you learn in the process? I mean, that's such a huge question, but. Because I I can, I can answer it specifically and pointedly because it, um, was a moment that chose me, I have to say. Um, and I don't think it would have happened, um, in the way it happened. Had I not absolutely allowed myself to break, what wow. do you mean by that girl yeah <laughs> so um and i and i and i and i do i don't usually reference my children that much but there but there was this moment where, as a mother in that role um because I had committed to it. And, and had to so so deeply and so quickly and and so completely because they were you know my 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 oldest girls are twins 
and twins are great. <clears throat> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And and also for the folks, she played a pregnant woman in the show. Yes, <sighs> yes. Um, who had lost her children, and so, um, me having children, they were this. I mean, worse than a funny mirror. You know what I mean? Mm. Like microscopic mirror. You know what I mean? And not mm-hmm. just mirror in the sense of like what you're giving them consciously. It's the mirror of the subconscious. It's the mirror of the shadow. It's the mirror of what you can't see. Mm. It's bold as hell. I ain't even gonna lie. It's bold. Oh my gosh. Because when they show you it, then you end up wrestling with them because you haven't fully accepted that that's what you look like. And so that's where the problem occurs with children and they're pubescent. You know what I mean? They're 12 years. They're taller than me at this point. And I'm just like, you know, how can I correct? How can I discipline? How can I whatever with these children in the midst of like such a big, you know, kind of dilemma? And I remember it was the, uh, it was like June or maybe a little bit before. I was like literally having like what felt like a breakdown. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm not <clears throat> saying that like I had to go and and be like seen by medical doctors. I just mean like I felt the emotional like chipping away. And in the girls were in third grade, my twins, and I remember. So this is before doing the show. This was way before. Like okay. I'm, I'm talking about leading up to it, okay. how I landed in that position, Got it. and then I'll tell you what I learned, like the biggest lesson. Yeah. Because what happened is, like, I had like all these learning specialists and teachers, and this is also a part of the reason why I continue with my teaching artist work to help help educators understand children and help children understand themselves Mm -hmm. so that 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 type of awareness on both sides can lead to a a more just holistic experience like you know what I mean like education is one thing but understanding yourself is like a whole other thing that determines everything like how much you can absorb so you know kind of going back to that story I had a learning specialist who (laughs) <laughs> she well, she was called a learning specialist, and you know they brought us in with all these different issues, trying to figure out you know the girls' disposition in different subjects and different things like that. And they were the youngest in their grade, mm-hmm. and you know I questioned whether or not they were too young, you know what I mean, to be experiencing so much pressure, mm-hmm. and it was coming out in different ways. And so one of them was like, um, well. <sighs> didn't you say you weren't good at math? And I was like, yeah. She was like, well, you know, there you go. Like, that's the reason why one of the girls struggled with that. I'm like, so she inherited my stupid, like, what is happening right now? You know what I mean? And it it was just a moment, like, these are literally my children that I'm raising. And I felt like at that point, everything that they were doing or not doing was my fault. Mm -hmm. You understand? So there was this idea of like success or failure rested in them. And I just said, Damn, that's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. to put on them. And we were, I was walking out and uh, the lady, she, one of the other ladies, she looked at me, she goes, just don't pay them so much attention. What? what? Just, you know, 
Basically, you're putting too much into it. And I just thought that that was the most peculiar thing that anyone could say to me at that moment in my life. Um, And I saw myself literally like, I saw myself getting on the airplane, leaving Detroit when I was 17. I saw myself Mm. running. And I felt like I had landed right there. And she couldn't know what she just said to me because if she did, she would have never said it. Right. You know what I mean? And I felt like, of course, people don't mean harm when they try to say things like that. But at the same time, the harm supported the break, which supported my breakthrough. You know what I mean? And I didn't know it, but like I literally was in production for this show that I was doing like on summer. I was doing like a summer stage production and I couldn't talk for like two weeks, I swear. Like, and my father called me, he kept calling me, he kept calling me. He was like, what's going on? I I don't know if you feel nervous about letting the girls, you know, not being with the girls as much. Cause like me doing more shows meant more rehearsal, which mm-hmm. meant me not being there. Like, and for Taraka, you know, he travels so much, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so my whole thing was my children need to know their love. They need to be with people who love them. So, mm-hmm. you know, and any time he spent with them was a beautiful time. But when he was there, you know, mm-hmm. he was just just gone and traveling so much. And so it was hard for me to, like, begin my career knowing that both of their parents were going to be, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. chasing their dreams, mm-hmm. so to speak. And I think that that, I felt like, ugh, they deserve the sturdiness of, like, somebody who is permanent. You know what I mean? Um, and, of course, both of us are permanent, but with a traveling parent and an artist working parent who's trying his best to, like, support everybody, feed everybody, do everything, I felt like in the midst of that, they deserved that steady nurture. But meanwhile, like, I'm literally erasing myself mm-hmm. I started experiencing erasure that was only brought on by me like I'm a, I'm, I'm pretty hard to oppress but it's very easy for me to like self you know what I mean inflict mm. and I say that as a very conscious Scorpio I'm very aware of like all those things <laughs> all that you, you know what me I both. mean but when that happened my father finally got me on the phone. And by that time, he was pissed. Like, I haven't been able to get in touch with you. And I'm like, Dad, he's like, you know, they're going to be okay. I explained it. I said, no, they're not. You know, nobody's been okay. Mm. Nobody that we know has been okay. And I have to protect them. I have to love them. I have to make sure that they weren't whatever and my father was just like you're right they're not gonna be okay and you have to be okay with that and it just it just broke me down and I'm telling you that thing cracked me wide open I didn't know what to do I cried I, I didn't know I literally did not know what to do so fast forward that happened in the summer of 2018 by the time no I got my math off a little bit the 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 the, what I was talking about was happening in 2018 2017 2018 we bought the house in 2018 
But by the end of the summer of 2019, I was definitely like, oh my God. And that's when Dominique Morisot called me and said, listen, the end of my Detroit cycle is happening at Detroit Public Theater. Would you consider doing it? And it was like, God heard my prayer. Because one of the things I had prayed was that the the dilemma, the pain, the frustration that I was feeling, I just said, I don't want to hurt my kids. Because I was so frustrated with myself. I felt like such a failure that the way that was coming out was like, so not cool for little kids. Like, these little girls, like, didn't do anything. And so, like, why should they have to suffer at the fact that I think that I failed them in some type of academic way? Like, it was just like, no, you don't get to do that to them. So I literally asked God for distance. I asked him for space, which was, it's hard to hear, but I literally said, like, you have to take them. Because I don't trust myself right now. Wow. And when she called me, she had no idea. I was waking up from a nap that I rarely take. And I woke up. I had set an alarm to wake up at a certain time. She called me before my alarm went off, and I just happened to be awake. Anybody who knows me knows my ringer is always off. But it was crazy because I looked at the phone, and I picked it up. You know, she's had the same number forever. We've all had the same numbers forever. And I said, absolutely. She said, I don't know if you'd be willing to, you know, leave the girls. She remembers when I was pregnant, you know. And I said, I, I, I can. Mm. I can. And when I did Paradise Blue in Detroit, I had not been able to go home and stay longer than a week. Since, since I graduated you left. from college. Wow. That's how much unfinished business was, was, was going on inside of me. Mm. And so... All that protection, all that stuff, all that things I was doing for the girls was obviously, in hindsight, something that I thought that they needed, but it was what I thought I needed, right? And I healed such a deep wound when I was there doing Paradise Blue. And playing the role of Silver was so crazy for me because she was such a woman. Mm. Mm. And I had been a mother. Okay? Okay, okay. Which is different than a woman. Yes. Women have children, but identity of mother is so singular if you approach it that way. And it had been singular for me and erased these uh, parts of me that were emerging. But they got pushed down by my fear of myself because I, you know, I don't know if I trusted myself as, uh, I don't know if I trusted myself to be left to my own devices. So my womanhood was experienced really with, uh, gilded with motherhood. So my adulthood really came through the lens of motherhood. 
you know? And so womanhood had not been something I explored. And funny enough, this woman was barren. Mm. This, this woman, wow. Silver, who I play. Meanwhile, I had just, you know, I had given birth to not two, but three. I had, you know, I have a, 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 a they have a sister who's like almost five years younger than them. And, you know, I carried them all full term. I breastfed all of them. It was a land of milk and honey. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm being called to play the roles and to give voice to, you know, women who have had to experience the unthinkable, you know. Um, and it was an honor for me. But the part of that role that really scared me to death. Is it Paradise Blue? Or? Paradise okay. Blue was being this unapologetic woman. This sexual woman. This woman with hips. You know what I mean? Waistline. Pretty confident you know what I mean those are things that I've had to like well I've had to tuck in like how I am and I haven't had to again I chose to see she's looking at my face and I'm like what are you talking about because when I see you yeah to me you're all woman right absolutely like what but the way this is what I mean who you are naturally is what you have to accept and other people have experienced me and and enjoyed the fruits of my tree more than I have. Mm-hmm. Oh, my dear God. Everything you're saying is resonating so deeply with me as a mother. And I, yes, the not being able to experience yourself as a woman, right? Even if you're in, you know, a relationship with another person, like it's what you are to them. And then as a mother who's nursing their children, I was right there with you. You're a body. body. Like you're essential. Literally. Literally. And I just want to go back to one thing that you said that is so profound and incredible that you were able to just put this into words is that you, mothers, parents, you're a mirror to your own shadow. Your your children are mirrors to your shadow. <sighs> because there's so much emotion and love and it is a thankless job. My, my mom today is like, motherhood is the most thankless job. And I never yeah. know whether to say, wait, should I be thanking you or apologizing to you? Yeah. But it's true. Yeah. But to just you, – you nailed it. And that's yeah. a really – to be able to understand that and see that and yeah. see your own faults. And you talked about fear, just fear of yourself. Yeah. I mean, in, that in, is in partic- real. One of the girls in particular, you know, she challenges all of the, 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 um, all of the, the, the parts of, of me that was raised with that, like, uh, you know, our people are, my people are, they come from the South and, and, being a granddaughter of the great migration is a thing. You know what I mean? Like all my people came from Jackson, Mississippi or like other parts nearby. And like, are we cousins? Girl, I think so. (laughs) That, that explains a lot. Okay. But yeah, like it's just so many ways and so many thoughts and ideas. And like with black children, there's always this, not always, but there's a lot of energy of like, you have to be pulled up or you have to be this. And especially as a black girl, it's like, 
how dare you pop out a breast or a butt? Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, and then to challenge that, it's like, I think I was raised with this heavy energy of like, you have to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. My mother protected me fiercely. Mm-hmm. And then it was ingrained in my mind that the world would always be trying to penetrate me. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I carried that with me, but, but being on guard like that playing defense doesn't allow you to really like, you know what I mean? Fully experience the joys of penetration, whether that be emotional, psychic, physical, whatever. But like my children wanted an intimacy with me by nature that started to fade in their puberty. And so I started to feel like I was withholding. A lot. Mm. And I wasn't used to that because I was used to nurturing. Right. And in nurturing, you have a vulnerability. When you know when you got your titties hanging out, that's very, very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So and you got milk coming out of you and you're and you're and you're recognizing and feeling and knowing that being that vulnerable is important. But once you have to close up shop a little bit and you start to refamiliarize yourself with your own body I think this question always comes up of now what do I give you and at that point you you feel kind of stuck because you can't give them anything you have to let them literally become and I feel like I deeply desired to facilitate that for them or to curate that for them but curating is dangerous Mm -hmm. and facilitating can be dangerous if you're not healed if you're not clear so now that I've done that I I now feel like I have the ability to recognize it so now I'm in a a place of trying to um, make sure that I can let go of some of those older ideas of how we have to protect our children Mm -hmm. because our protection sometimes looks like our foot on their neck yeah and (laughs) I said to one of my girls like in a very high ego moment, like, I wish I was raising me. <laughs> I'd be the shit. <laughs> and she was like, you cocky ass. I mean, she has no idea how, like, why I become so cocky in a moment. Right, right. <laughs> because my mother was just the shit. She really, really raised me, like, fiercely. You know what I mean? Do you think... And maybe it's because she saw who I was and just had to foster that. Yeah. Or maybe she saw herself in me. Whatever it was, it was like a well, thing. Do you think that in her her rearing of you with the fiercity that she... Did she nurture you as an artist when you were a child? And at, at what point did you start to, to tap into that? Like oh, the, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. The author of The Artist Way? Yeah, 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 yeah. She yeah. says, like... Art is a spiritual transaction. Yeah, it is. And, and I it think, sounds like motherhood absolutely is too. Yeah, and I think that's what, quote unquote, took me so long to like break through in the industry. Because of that spiritual transaction, people will abuse your ability to tap into the spirit. Whew. And baby, you know, you, 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 you got ran through mm-hmm. with nothing to show for it. Not even a, a good feeling. You know what I mean? And, and I just, I feel like, that training ground as a child was all about learning how to be a storyteller. Mm. That's what my parents mm. gave me. 
Both oh of them can tell you a story right now that will have you laughing, crying. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they were both storytellers and they don't even like see themselves as quote storytellers. I mean, true griots. Like I truly believe <laughs> they were griots. Like, and so in that way, that is how they fostered my, my artistry, so to speak. And, and in so many ways, I'm still discovering what that is. Because I think, um, so going back to your question about like, what did I learn or what was the biggest takeaway for me from in Colored Water? After playing the role of Silver in Paradise Blue at Detroit Public Theater, I literally, <laughs> like one of my closest childhood friends was like, what kind of manager <laughs> don't have you like at the you know, at the top. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and that's a, you know, that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So how do you match this inner thing with something on the outside so that, you know, you have to like market yourself. You have to somehow be available uh, to be requested. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so with that, I was like, all right. Sounds like my dating life. Listen. <laughs> That's the next episode. Yes, it is. Continue, continue. No, I just had to throw that in. <laughs> but, you know, like, totally had to, um, you know, part ways um, with my former manager. Uh, and as soon as I did that, a friend who had seen me, a friend of a, of a friend, had seen me performing in New York in the summer, which was kind of like the only time I really could perform with small children, uh, been on that summer schedule. And he was like, you have to meet. Um, her name is Robin at Bluestone. And I said, absolutely. But it was crazy because that spot otherwise would have been filled had I not been shaken up mm. like that. Had I not been able to see myself. And that was the first time I had been away from my children. How long were you gone? Two months. Wow. And you know, like. Two days was like crazy. I mean, yeah. God, I mean, yeah. really. And Nia was four. So I had really stopped nursing her. You know, I mean, I nursed her. She was two, but it felt very recent. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Four years old. She's still putting her hand in my shirt. She's still very familiar with like my body temperature and all that. So to like move out of her physical space was a big deal, you know. But doing so, I actually was like defrosting and I started to experience myself for myself. And I started, I like slept in my, my sister's house and, you know, slept in a twin bed and a single bed and experienced what I felt like and what my thoughts were. And then when, when I came back to New York, I definitely like wasn't expecting, but I had an opportunity to meet with my manager and she and I clicked immediately, immediately. And shortly after that, she had submitted me to be seen for Color Water at the public. Mm -hmm. She was like, oh, my God, you would be perfect. You know, I'm from Detroit. Um, I'm from a small, you know, city within Detroit called Highland Park, which mm -hmm. is very much so like Flint. Mm -hmm. And that water crisis that happened in Flint was something that I felt was like the billionth thing that you know my, my my people had to contend with on a you know 
uh, I want to say, uh, uh, the, the, the level of dealing with like things like that was like, you could, you could switch out water crisis and put something else in like, mm. you know what I mean? Like right. the crack epidemic that happened in Highland Park and in Detroit, like when I was young was crazy. You know what I mean? Like the influx of jobs, the, the taking away of jobs, like a lot of those stories are just kind of like, unfortunately, like not new to us. And so playing that role, I remember one of the biggest things that I, that I took away was being able to be on stage, quote unquote, classically trained actor. Mm -hmm. You know, they make you study all the, the classics, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which don't, don't include people that look like you too much. Oh no. But I did have the opportunity to like study a few, but Dominique had been someone who was always pivotal in my and challenging my perspective about that type of stuff. Because coming from cast, like we studied our people, Excellent. And, you know, and, and all of my teachers looked like me and all of the challenges that I got were just like the level of excellence was just crazy, you know, and nobody cared about your like background of like your pedigree or anything like that. So I just had like the most quality arts education with like my parents not having to pay a dime. You know what I mean? And that's like a whole nother conversation. But I remember uh, feeling so naked, but free being able to sound like myself. In that show. In In that that show. Wow. Because I think being from Detroit and having like a Detroit accent is like a thing. Because in college, I remember my one of my professors, like, in the hallway, coming up to me and another actor who was from Baltimore, being like, can you all, like, talk how you could talk, basically? And I remember being like, whoa, lady. Excuse me? Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I didn't have the words, but I remember feeling so deeply offended. I cried, like, oh. a lot. Because I was wondering, like, well, what's wrong with the way I sound, you know? And that that was just one instance, like, you know. I had a pretty good experience at, at the conservatory, uh, at, at Purchase. Fantastic experience. You know what I mean? Like Chantal Jean-Pierre, Dean Irby, you know, I, I, Hulele Noble, I, I, you know, Tom Jones, Israel Hicks. I mean, I experienced some of the most phenomenal, you know, people in the game, but being able to sound like myself, talk like myself, move like myself. And again, nobody else put those restrictions on me, but it was just kind of like what happens when you train and when you do that, you know what I mean? You feel like a Navy SEAL sometime when you're training as an artist because you have to be disciplined. It's so remarkable because that role earned you one of many critical nominations and awards. So when you hear that you uh, have been selected to receive yeah. the same award as uh, Claire Huxtable. <laughs> Felicia! Uh, uh, <laughs> of course, Felicia Rashad, <laughs> the extraordinary Tony-winning empress of stage and yeah. screen. And you are neck and neck with her. I mean, that in thing was a, crazy. In that role. And you were nominated twice for... That and that was just one of several. I could we could do the whole rest of the episodes and the number of things that you were have been nominated for. Yeah. But in that position where you finally 
get to not only tap into your training, but your identity. Yes. Like what, what did this teach you about just the power of your identity? I think that was the biggest, um, I was actually trying to pull up the, uh, the, the other women that I was nominated with because. Oof. Oh, I'm thinking <clears throat> I have them here. I, I tried to prepare. Um, it's, it's here. Okay. So, uh, Tala Ashe, mm. Ruth Nega, Felicia Rashad, Shannon Tile, and Michelle Wilson. What class? These are like I, 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 when I saw those actors, I said, "And what?" what? Like Patterson. And I had just done a show with Michelle Wilson, and yes. I said, "You, you, you, you a damn lie!" I'm in this category with her. She genuinely possesses. <laughs> it was almost like looking into the future, mm. but she brought all of what her life had been with her into the future, but not without it going through this crazy portal that she is because she's from Detroit too. So the two of you starred together in, in Confederates, Confederates, which was the show that I did after color water, which was crazy. Right. Um, but yeah, I, uh, the drama desk, uh, award nomination was literally completely unexpected. I'm not gonna lie, I had never even heard of it. Okay. Oh my goodness. And 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 I, I didn't care. I, and I because I, I I don't think about who I don't know. I don't think about awards or things like that because mm-hmm. I just you know, I came up with that very um kind of specific uh approach to the craft, which is it's all about the work. Mm-hmm. You know, because that work becomes what works on you. Mm. And so I was super grateful, even for the opportunity, like, to be in that room. I remember Erica, uh, who wrote uh, Color Water, she came up to me during one of, um, I think it was the moment before we went into, um, the moment before we went into tech rehearsal. And she said, what a gift we found when we found you. Mm. And that stuck with me because, you know, people say nice things to you. Um, and they mean what they say. And But, but sometimes people get a little um, maybe caught up or smitten by people who do things on stage or TV and they... And they just get so excited about what they saw. They just want to kind of, you know, shower you with compliments. Mm -hmm. And, but when she said that, I almost felt like I knew exactly what she meant. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and actually took a moment and looked around the room and said, damn, I am a gift to this moment. And I think I had only felt that important uh, to like people who knew me and loved me. Mm -hmm. But I hadn't felt the the gravity mm-hmm. of what I meant to a story or to my craft. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think I had to navigate out of this idea that I was talent mm-hmm. once I got to New York. I never mm-hmm. thought that when I was in Detroit. Mm-hmm. But once I got to New York, it was just all this weird energy. There wasn't a lot of shows with us in it. You know what I mean? There were some musicals and things like that, but there wasn't a lot of like 
There was, but it wasn't, they weren't being produced at the level that you could actually like eat. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I did them because I loved them. And one of them was uh, Third Grade by Dominique Moroso. I and remember yeah, Yes, that. you saw it. Yes. And I remember. The Fire This Time Festival. Yes. And, and I, it, it was remarkable because it was like the, like a marathon of like one acts. Yeah. And, you, were, and yeah. you had just had the twins. Literally nursing them in the wings. I was like, how 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 is she here? And the wings was how, this big. I mean, it was a beautiful like downtown production yeah but it, it was, was such a new york house too it was like yeah but i was just so confused quite Girl, honestly i'm like and so was my lo- breath like why, <laughs> why are we not re- 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 releasing this milk it was up to my clavicle by curtain call i oh was just like <laughs> somebody come and give me a baby no, no because there are so many people that truly can relate to just feeling that they have something in them, in their heart, that they want to get out yeah, into the world. It was like but super necessary. It seems like the circumstances of life are seriously putting up obstacles that would justify not doing it. Beautiful distractions. You I know? mean, but I, but I also think um, sometimes I don't know. I'm taking full responsibility for myself now because I knew what was going on inside of me, and I just. Kept finding other shit to do, mm. <laughs> but to address myself. Okay, okay, this is beautiful. I and this is you know the lawyer's got to ask the leading question, sure, but only because I want you to share it, and I apologize for this. Okay, I know that there was a moment that came when you decided to physically make your own space. Yes, yes, yes. Can you speak to what that was mm-hmm. and and why you did it? And oh, I what, how it has made a difference. Oh, absolutely. Um, if at all. But Yeah, and, and I think, Hannah, you can understand, like, the... This is so funny because recently one of the girls realized that I don't eat with them. Uh, uh, and, I, and I used to. I used to try a lot. But I told them, I said, I have too much anxiety at the table. Mm-hmm. And I can't eat. I don't feel hungry. You know, as soon as you go to sleep, all of a sudden I can eat again. But it's like... You know, I was being transparent with them because yeah. the truth is, <clears throat> when you have twins, first of all, it's always like, okay, can I keep them alive? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, all right, how am I going to educate them? Are they being nurtured? Who's, what's the village? Who's around them? Blah, 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 blah. But that never stops. Mm. And then we have another one. Okay, don't make sure she's alive with them in her hand. You know, it's like they're pulling her apart. And that just almost never goes away. And so I remember, you know, my new manager, bless her heart, I was sending these self-tapes in. Mm-hmm. And she she never said anything, really, but she was just very supportive and like, you know, lighting, this, that, this, that. And I remember being like, yeah, I just can't keep doing these self-tapes in my room mm-hmm. with, like, children sleeping or trying to go to sleep or waking up. I mean, yes, they go to school, but at the same time, like, I was also working during the day, you know, or just trying to do stuff. And so not having a space like meant that I didn't have a space to be me. And everybody had a room but me. Even Taraka had a studio down in the basement. Right. Um, and I, where I'm grateful for all of those things. I did not have a space of my own. I don't, I don't even have like a closet that is mine. Like I, 
And I mean, and that's partially because I don't buy a lot of clothes, but it's also because like, and, and I thought that that was a luxury. I'm not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. So I'm gonna just say, I just be like, all right, cool. Mm-hmm. As long as we eating good food and the girls can go outside and play and whatever, whatever. I'm not looking for red bottoms and, and, and walk in closets. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That hasn't been my life mm-hmm. or my, my, my thought process, but yet. <laughs> yeah, like I'll take a walk-in closet when it's time, but, mm-hmm. but I'm not about to like go into debt for a walk-in closet. Right, you know right. what I mean? It's just yeah. like too many liabilities and yeah. all I'm trying to, and that, that that's a, that'll be another damn thing to keep me from, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, so, yes. But absolutely. I, but that type of cautiousness is fading. But to go back to the space, I had um, really uh, very um generous support when I started my company Art of Living Collective mm-hmm. and is is an applied theater company that is all about using the power of drama to engage in the conversation around our well-being um our thought life our communication with others conflict resolution but really that social emotional learning that is at the heart and the core and the door for learning. Mm-hmm. And so when I did that, I had some generous support in helping me to even get a space. Mm-hmm. And that space became where I would teach my classes virtually, where I would hold that physical workshops for children in the community and not just um, where I live, but the surrounding towns. Um, but also it was my place where I began to investigate self-tapes and seeing myself and that's a whole nother damn mirror that will make you just crawl under a rock but you got to stay in it and I would look at these tapes and I got better lighting equipment I got you know painted the walls and I finally started to see myself in a way that I just hadn't ever really looked at and that's what that space did for me and I have to tell you this funny story you know, sometimes you send your parents stuff and they're like, okay, what is this? It could be a screenshot. You know, it could be a meme. It could be mm-hmm. a whatever. And they're like, oh, my God, what's happening? What is this? Mm-hmm. And I sent my father a self-tape, which is like me auditioning for something on tape. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a quick video. And I sent it to him. I was like, Dad, tell me what you think about this. And he was like, well, what, what, what is it? What, what am I looking at? You know <laughs> what I mean? And I just was like, well, it's an audition. I was like, it's a self-tape. And he was like, well, he started laughing. <laughs> He was like, well, uh, well, ain't you supposed to be being yourself? (laughs) (laughs) I said, Daddy, you know, you don't understand. He said, no, you don't understand. All right now. I need to be able to see Drea. Uh Okay. Got me together so quick. Okay. And when I tell you the second I see myself not being myself on these self-tapes, I start over. Oh, that's amazing. But I have the space to do it. I, you have dropped so much. I can't even like run back, try to pick it up. I, 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 we always get to the end in two seconds. I know. This is ridiculous. We have a few minutes left. I, I, I have to just say this. I'll say it while we're here. It's remarkable. Even both of you to hear both of you say, to speak about all of 
the terror of mm-hmm. taking space from your children and and this fear that they're not going to be okay. Yeah. I all I can say, I'm not saying that that's not true. Not like at all. I don't have children, so I I don't know. What I do know is that summer when you were in Detroit, I remember coming to babysit. Absolutely. And I remember how joyful of a time I had with your kids and how Nia ministered over my life. Like, I won't even get to it. That is literally who she is. But yep. But she was four and she was giving me healing advice. Full on. That would not have happened if... You were there, you know, and we would have had a great time, you know, could have come and visit. But there is something, there are so many unexpected blessings Mm -hmm. that are available when you let your kids go. That's right. When you are surrounded by other people who just show up. I won't even say like that they know your kids or anything, (laughs) but just are in their presence. Yeah. And my village is, whoa. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. The village that, that 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 surrounds the girls is a blessing. Absolutely. Well, yes. they they are a blessing to the village. So Thank you. I we have some just we want to close it out yeah. in our little Bali effect tradition. Sure. Would you like to ask any of the rapid fire questions? You take it away. <laughs> Take it away. I don't even know if we'll get to it. Sorry. Um, you know, nice. no. This is this is incredible. Um, I don't even like you've touched on so much of it. I would just, I don't, I'm going to ask one of them. Okay. If you could go back mm-hmm. and tell 17-year-old Drea, who is leaving Detroit, yeah, any kind of advice, now, what would you say to her? I know that you've never seen anybody like you. And I know it literally is the unknown. And you can't see and you're feeling around in the dark. But trust your own voice. Be willing to fail. Be willing to look ugly. Be willing to get it wrong. Fail. Fuck up. Do do whatever you... Be stupid. Like... Because you will get to who you are faster. It won't take so long. And you'll be able to enjoy yourself and eat from that tree and really be satisfied because all the other stuff won't so beautiful and there you have it folks (laughs) (laughs) feel that Bali effect (laughs) (laughs) thank you season three (laughs) we have nothing else to offer you (laughs) it feels so good to having like this kind of uh, spectrum of of womanhood Mm. um here and present with me so thank you both thank oh you. my gosh thank yeah. you sis this is glorious yes I, it is i i i want every single person listening to this to please please follow 
everything that Andrea is doing. Yay. What's your social handle? Andrea Lavon. Uh, that's my middle name. So A-N-D-R-E-A-L-A-V-O-N-N-E. Um, and uh, Art of Living Collective has its own page as well. Um, and that's um, Art of Living Collective. Um, I'm, I think that's pretty much the handle with some underscores in there. But if you follow Andrea Lavon, you'll see... Um, Art of Living Collective as well. Um, I'm not crazy with posting, but I definitely am there, and I post more stories than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm excited. I'm I'm going to Miami to work with Liliana Lane Cruz on a project um, in the spring, and so you'll see me kind of like posting stuff leading up to that, and and the the space that I'm in in this quarter um, before going away again. Okay. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And then I have a, a film um, that's coming out that I'm really excited that I did with Jordan Cooper. Yes. Um, and he just, oh, just crazy annihilated this amazing show on Broadway. Ain't no more. And so I'm just so blown away to work with him and um, and and be a part of that whole production team and, and meet those people. And so I have some things coming up, and so I'm really excited about that. And, I'm grateful to have been able to talk to you both today. Bravo. Thank you, Rockstar. Thank you, Hannah, for being amazing. And everyone, please, please continue to check us out on The Bali Effect. Well, folks, that does it for this episode of The Bali Effect. Thank you from the bottom, the top, and the center of our hearts for exploring life's pivotal moments with us. We really do love you for listening. And we'd love to stay in touch, so please follow us on Instagram at the underscore Bali underscore effect and subscribe to The Bali Effect wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to tune in next time when we ask another precious person about their life journey because a Bali moment can happen at any time. And it can happen to anyone, especially you. Thank you! We love you. (laughs) Bye. Bye.